when the ghosts of the past unhaunt you we're talking movies we're talking all of us strangers starring andrew scott jamie bell and claire foy based on the novel strangers by takishi yamada and written and directed for the screen by andrew haig chris can i hug you now i'm assuming you're not with anyone you're often single Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie. Uh, we're going to be talking about a fairly serious drama. Uh, as Scott said, it's All of Us Strangers, the 2023 release. Uh, it's up for a bunch of awards, so we uh, wanted to jump on it and talk about this. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Scott, right away. Okay, so um, two things to start. One, uh, I'm not. Oh, by do the way, and do not fucking do any spoilers. The spoilers in this are like super crucial to the plot, so we have to talk around them. I don't want. I don't want to do spoiler alerts. I just don't want to give up the fucking main, you know, set piece uh, turns in this if we can avoid it. Please. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. I just thought that's super important to get out of the way right away. Okay, so let me start from the beginning of my sentence again. So two things, I'm not going to do a plot description with this one because I couldn't come up with one that doesn't give a lot away and I don't want to give away spoilers. It's almost like we're, so, we're, we're like one being operating together, but somehow also in totally opposite directions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to contribute to this episode. Did you not watch the movie? Uh, no, mainly because, um, like, without giving away, the the overall theme of this movie is grief. Yes. Um, yes, like lots of grief. Like a, and, like a gravy boat full of grief. And, you know, I'm, I'm literally living it, right? Like, uh, it's coming up to the one-year anniversary of my mom's untimely death, and literally we're writing notes on this and like even now i'm already starting to fucking tear up because like i can't i can't differentiate between this and what i'm living so it like even when i was doing my notes i would just start breaking down crying because uh it kept on um bringing me relating me to what i'm still going through with with that and and that's the thing. I don't know how much I can really talk because I might just start breaking down. And I don't think it's going to make good audio of me just sobbing like a little, you know, uncontrollably. So obviously we'll we'll work within the capacity that you have. Uh, I, what I do find interesting about this is like I'm not dealing with any of these things. And I cried. I cried my eyes out at the end of this film. And even the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song that they use in the very end and then goes into the over credit scenes. Like now when I hear that song, it just, it literally drags me back to the ending of this film and it like makes me emotional. Um, and obviously like, I, I mean, I think it is kind of good, not good that you're going through this kind of struggle, but it's, it's going to, it's mirroring, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in, in your life. And so it's going to, I think it gives an interesting perspective. Like this is a highly, highly, well-constructed emotional film like we like you and i watch a lot of movies i watch a lot of film like kind of in a in an indie indie kind of setting 
And I don't know the last time I was moved by a film like this film. Like physically moved. Not in, just intrigued or interested or contemplation, but like physically moved to an emotion by this film. Um, and it's actually one of the one of the main reasons I asked if we could do this on our show is it's up for a bunch of independent spirit awards. The voting for independent for those of you who are members and are voting members of for the independent spirit awards, make sure you give this film a, a good solid look. Because it's up for acting and directing and the Best Picture Award. Uh, and, and I think it deserves definitely appropriate consideration. And it's really kind of only in a theater run. Like it's not available in any type of uh, streaming that I can find at this time. So if you're a voting member, you've got your screeners. Make sure you watch it. Like don't just go, oh, I know these other films. Because I actually found... It took me a long time to watch this, even though I've had the screeners for a while, because I felt like the trailer, and it could be because like once you see this film, you realize it's very difficult to not give away some really key information. But <laughs> when I watched the trailer for this, I was not overly interested. I was like, okay, like it's on my list. I'll get to it. And then I watched it, and I was like, how the fuck did I wait this long to watch this film? Another film that's like this that I waited way too long is Passage, uh, Passages which is also a fantastic film that's up for Indie Independent Spirit Awards right now. Um, and again, sometimes the trailers, they don't, they don't do the job, which is to get you interested in watching the film. Like, go watch the... Uh, like, hopefully in, in the YouTube version of this, we'll have a bit of a clip of the trailer. And it's, it doesn't excite you to watch the film. It just seems like your standard... I, when I watched the trailer, it was sort of like standard relationship, parents, blah, blah, blah. I was like, eh, okay. Like, that's a drama. But it's not. <laughs> it's it's not that at all. Like, it has those elements, but in a just fascinating way. Uh, anyway, I'm going to let you try and do some talking yeah, for the well, next here. Yeah. Oh, well. Did you like terms, the film? Like, like, let's just, like, let's start. It there. was, it, it was, um, how's the way, how should I put this? Um. I think going into it, like once you realize what this movie's all actually about and, and the plot, I think it's constructed and written in a way that it um not hooks you, but it it like it's like the one line that they they say in this movie about like the heart getting tangled and stuff like that right like it 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 it, it like fuck it's like it's like a face hugger that just like hops on you and just like incubates in there right like you can't stop kind of thinking about it and it's not just about the thing like you you can take this movie however you want like to me this is a non-linear movie like i don't think it's literally a to b i think it's going through like in different time periods that none of these kind of really connect because to me i think the ending is actually the beginning if you get what i'm saying yeah 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 like yeah yeah i could yeah, uh, actually I, am, I need to go back now that you said that i'm, I'm probably going to rewatch it again today anyway uh i'm going to go back and see if it's actually literally done that way or if it just gives you the feeling of that. But I definitely can see how you could start this film in some aspect of that ending. 
do everything you did, get to where you got, and it would make it would totally make sense. I know that the listener is like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Seriously, when you get a chance to watch the movie, you'll understand. Uh, Scott's got a very good point that the ending very well may be the beginning of this film. Right. Um, and, and yeah, like I think the writing's tight. Uh, I think Andrew Scott did an amazing job. Like I've been a fan of his since um, Sherlock when he played Moriarty. And he's now, uh, he has the Netflix show that's, coming out soon where he's going to be Tom Ripley. Tom Ripley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And after seeing this performance, I can't, I actually, cause I, I, I love Patricia Hines, my talented Mr. Ripley. We've alluded to my love of it in the, the like nineties film plus the sixties film, uh, purple noon. At first I was like, Oh, for fuck's sakes, like this is going to be awful. And then I saw his casting. I saw his performance in this and I, I actually will probably get my Netflix subscription back just to watch that series. So, yeah, no, 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 I think it's well done. Now this isn't, this is technically, I I wouldn't say a remake, but this movie, like I said, it's based off a novel called the strangers and this was made into a film in uh, nineteen eighty-eight called the Discarnates. Oh, okay. And it seems like it's one hundred percent totally because it, it's more. It seems like it's more like um, like the Grudge kind of thing. It, it seems like reading the synopsis of what this movie is, uh, like the 1988 film it seems a lot more like you know like horror aspect or like supernatural yeah yeah because yeah because uh the main character like from what it's saying in terms of the description and the synopsis uh yeah it seems like it's more vengeful kind of spirits than than anything yeah 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 and again uh not to give too much away but you could almost because when i saw this i didn't see it so much as supernatural as more like mental health, like almost like schizophrenia. You know what I mean? Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Um, I can only, yeah, I can only really like, cause I don't want to say that. Cause then you're going to fucking say that I'm schiz- schizophrenic. Um, and now you're going to make me fucking almost break down here. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. Um, I'm sorry. I, w- I, I wouldn't say this. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Cause that's the thing. Like with, Fuck with grief, there's a lot of stages, right? Um, and with with that, I think a lot of us, especially when it's untimely, and and I don't think it's really giving much away, right? Like he has, like this main character has survivor's guilt, and he's had it for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's shown like very, very early in the film. I agree with you. You're not, you're not yeah, getting anything. And it's even right. alluded to in the in the trailer, right? So, right. And he he even says he was supposed to go that day, but he just slept in. Mm. Like he, so he's been living with that survivor's guilt, and he he can't really like even now comprehend it because he, you know, he he's missing out on it. And I think, like I was saying, like a lot of people with with grief and stuff like that like we you do you do talk to to your loved ones that at a past like sometimes it's something simple um you know like depending 
depending how you want to to do it like there's a netflix co- show called um surviving death and with that right it goes through a lot of stuff like you know near death experiences everything like that but it um it also talks about like you see signs whether or not they're there or not but you see signs believing that your your loved ones are are, are still trying to contact you um from beyond wherever right and and obviously everybody's religious beliefs and everything are are different um but with that sometimes you know like you you'll you'll be somewhere and you know you you have a smell and that smell just relates back to the people you know that you lost and you're you're bringing back all that um so i think with him it's not really mental health it's just like it's his escape mechanism right like he 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 goes back there because he doesn't know like when it's a it, it just seems like when there's a major change that's going to to happen in his life and he doesn't really have any anybody to talk to he goes back there right and kind of just speaks and kind of it like you know visualizes what he believes kind of the conversation would be like you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. absolutely uh it's a very it's a very lonely film as well like outside of the nightclub scene really like there's like very little other like background performance there's essentially the the two leads andrew scott as adam and paul mescal as harry then there's adam's uh, parents jimmy bell playing his father and claire foy playing the mother and i like i said other than that like once and oh it's the subway scenes but for the most part it's like it feels very isolated the apartment is not you know no one no one else has moved in except for harry and so it's very isolated when he's visiting with his parents. It's just the the three of them. And so you get like this really foreboding feeling of loneliness throughout the film. Even, even in that nightclub scene, when they, after they do the drugs, it's like he's in, it's like being lonely, but in a place full of people. Like he feels super isolated because he's kind of tripping out or whatever. It's just like it again. It it makes you feel what the character is feeling: erratic and lonely and helpless, and like just and you know the cinematography in this is so well done. Like for the most part, it's not really arty. It's fairly just competent and stuff. But again, mm-hmm. there's stillness in the cinematography. But that last closing shot at the end of the film, where again that Frankie goes to the Hollywood song is playing. And it just kind of, it's an overhead shot and it just keeps pulling away and pulling away. And it shows the two of them just like alone in the bed. And you're just like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, yeah, like there's like almost the like stars. a void around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I do like that shot. Right. And then obviously it just keeps on, you know, pulling out, pulling out, pulling out until it's like the universe kind of thing. Right. It's, um, but like again yeah like like i was saying like i think the end was the beginning when you get to that club scene right i think it like it's it's done that he's so alone because technically like the way i see the movie he is alone 
Ah, right? interesting. He's reliving. Interesting. He's reliving. He's, it's not actually in the present tense. It's his memory. Right. Exactly. He's oh. just reliving it kind of thing. And that's why he's he just has that breakdown and just starts screaming in there, right? And then that's why, like, the next scene, the next transition, when he goes, when he wakes up in the room, like, he has no recollection of how he got back home. Oh man, I can't wait to rewatch it and now uh, run it through exactly what you're saying and trying to see if I can see it through that kind of different light or whatever. I know, I'm good. Uh, I see, I can contribute a little bit. You do, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> um, man, I think like all the cast in this too: Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, Jimmy Bell, Clary Foy. Like they are doing fantastic. Like I, I really hope that Andrew Scott wins some lead performance acting awards because he's like basically carrying the film he has to be both like alone but also in scenes with scene partners he has this like vulnerability uh but it's not overly dramatic uh i i think he and then there's obviously the points where he's supposed to be with his family and he's an adult but he's kind of having to act not act like a child but be more childlike uh, it's like, again, it's such a nuanced performance and so fabulous. Like, I can't imagine, even if he doesn't get any awards this season, like actually winning more than like the big stuff like Independent Spirit Awards or whatever. I think that this is going to be the thing that catapults him to the next level of his acting career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I think I think he's always been like a, a thought after character actor. 100%. Right? Like, he 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 is in, like, demand in terms of that, right? Like, um, but in terms of, like, I think maybe once Ripley, like, uh, premieres, that might, cat that like, that might be the thing that catapults him to, to the next level, if that's what you're, you're kind of saying before. Now, do you know when this uh, Netflix show is supposed to premiere? I think it's supposed to be in April. So, it's, you know, we're a couple months back right now. So, yeah, like I said, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. The trailer, that I don't know if you've even seen a trailer, but I've seen some of the shots from it. Looks good. I mean, again, I think he's going to play a decent uh, Tom Ripley. I think he's he's got some weight in his acting performance. So, um, Well, did you ever see him in sherlock like did you ever watch sherlock no i never could get into that show man like i don't know yeah like that what makes me think like i think if his moriarty performance is going to be anything like this um tom ripley that's why i think he's going to you know do very well with it because he was able to like i said like play a bunch of kind of different characters but be the same person kind of thing uh, I mean, I liked him in uh, Fleabag. He played the priest and who's very conflicted because she basically like gets him to like make out with her. And he's has this like, you know, he's torn between God and his profession and this woman who's very in, interesting and intriguing to him. So again, he, he's able to show conflict and uh, vulnerability, which again, Especially, I mean, I know the character of Moriarty from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. So, I mean, if you can show vulnerable over here, and then you can also show, like, sheer ability to manipulate someone, 
that's that's Tom Ripley. That's the Tom Ripley that I know both from the films and from the book. So uh, one of the other things I want to talk about with this film <clears throat> is, first off, the soundtrack is fantastic. Like, if you're into that, like, what's that, mid-'80s, <clears throat> mid-'80s Britpop, I guess? Like, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Pet Shop Boys... Uh, like we would call it retro eighties. Well, like, what, what what would you think? This movie had you at Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, it had me at Pet Shop Boys for sure. <laughs> I know that's what I was saying. The minute I saw it, I saw Pet Shop Boys. I'm like, oh, now I know why Chris wanted this one. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think the 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 soundtrack is great. Uh, I actually went and got the like looked up the soundtrack on Spotify, and I've been listening to that playlist. Um, so I actually so I was talking about this. I was talking about the movie Passages. And uh, Brokeback Mountain with a colleague of mine, actually, um, Alicia, who's been uh, on our show. She talked about Mean Girls. Um, because she tends to write in the LBGTQ space. And I used all three of these films as an example to show how you can write LBGTQ stories or characters without it being really dependent. Like, their sexuality is only part of it. It's not the whole plot. If you compare that to like bros, which I think didn't work because it just doubled and tripled and quadrupled down just on like that being the plot, being gay was the plot versus characters are gay. That creates certain conflicts or certain obstacles to overcome, but the stories are universal, right? In this, it's grief, loneliness. They could have been straight. They could have been. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, because there was a section where he is having the conversation with his mom about it, right? Mm-hmm. When he when he lit, when he co- technically comes out to his mom, and, but I thought that was like in terms of dialogue and scene, I think that was one of the best written scenes of of this film because and I don't know if this is fuck because it would be a spoiler too, right? Because it's you're taking the sensibilities of the '80s and trying to implement them now in 2023. Yeah, right. Yeah. And trying to to bring that conversation forward and showing how much has changed in in the in the in those decades. And right? I think, oh, I think that's so awesome that you brought that up. Actually, I I totally agree with you. I think all the conversations around his. Uh, not just his his boyfriend but also his like sexuality in today because it's obviously supposed to be pretty much present Mm -hmm. and then having that conversation with the 80s basically even the conversation with his dad about like hearing him crying and being like i didn't want to come in because of blah 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 and he's like yeah that's probably why i didn't care that you didn't come in like it's amazing like it's like it's like the future talking to the past uh again well yeah yeah. and and that's the thing it's like like i was saying like you're saying with the the dad like one of the i I wouldn't say the funniest things but they did have like kind of a laugh about it was you know when he because he first came out to the mom and then he comes out to the dad kind of later right and then because but he the dad already knew because he heard from the mom and then the dad's like well i kind of already knew because you can never fucking throw a ball He's like, can you even throw a ball now? But that's the thing. That was like, if you look back, that was, it's like, 
you know, something that was supposed to be manly, like throwing a, a, a baseball or throwing a softball or whatever, right? Which to me doesn't make sense because if this is Britain, this would be a lot more like, like football, you couldn't soccer. kick a, yeah, you yeah. couldn't kick a ball than throw a ball. But yeah, regardless of that, but he you know, you're taking those sensibilities like, oh shit. Right. And and that probably was, you know, parents in the eighties, like, holy shit, my, my son can't throw a ball. He's probably gay. Right. And, and trying to have that conversation now, right? But they they laughed about it after because he's like, yeah, I still can't throw. Them but at that, <laughs> he goes, that has nothing to do with me being gay kind of thing. Right. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Like this is it, it's just a story, whether it's man on man, man on woman, woman on woman. Right. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's just it's literally the whole love is love. Right. It's mm. these these two people who found themselves right in the situation they're in um and that and that's the thing like and and again like like you're like not to go back on you know why i think i'm so smart but i think the only reason these two are the only two people you see in this building is because he he did live a lonely life and he didn't communicate with anybody the only person he knew in that building was uh, the Harry. boyfriend. Yeah. So that's why everything's all dark and everything. And that's why, like, to me, it's like, or maybe like you, you said, know, maybe it's all in his mind. Like all no, of it I, is all of it. Like there is parts that like he is living, but like you said, like maybe all the interactions we as the audience are seeing are past. They're all memories. Right. Like it, I said, like, I'm going to have, I'm going to rewatch this today. Cause like, You've got me definitely thinking on a different wavelength now, which I think is right. Because the the scene that that made me think it uh, was the first scene where they're kind of introduced, where they have the fire alarm, right? And then he's he goes out, and then he looks up, and you know, uh, Paul, right? Or mm. no, Harry? What's Harry's the, the what's boyfriend. The yeah. So then Harry is looking out of the window, staring at him, right? And then. And then he knew exactly which apartment he was in. Yeah, when he brings the booze over or whatever. Yeah, and he was like, you know, I can come in for whatever. I can give you whatever you want, baby. Yeah, he was like, you know, vampires are at my door. <laughs> but but yeah, that, that's what made me think like, okay, this is... Because for even if you are the only two in the building to know exactly where the other person lives like exactly the apartment where you never have an interaction that's what makes me think like okay this is he's kind of reliving it um i think i'm gonna just pivot to some like technical aspects here uh i think that this is a very good example of good direction and and it's sometimes it's difficult to like really parse out directing or the screenplay or just the acting or so in my opinion like this is a not just a complex story but the way the story is told could get very muddled and uh complicated very easily right you could kind of lose your sense of like where you are in the story who's that why is this happening the fact that you're like you could be possibly dealing you were definitely dealing with different timelines but mental states and all this type of stuff the fact that you're dealing with all of these different things, and even you and I watched this film and got slightly different 
versions of how these things are being shown, we all get to the end of the story and feel like the story was told properly. And I think, like I said, I think that in the hands of a different director, this could have become a mess very, very easily where you just like, who are these characters? Wait, why is that happening? And at no point did I feel lost in this film. And like I said, when you get to the end, you understand the the story arc that's supposed to be happening. You feel the things you're supposed to feel. Uh, and you, you're left with a sense of like, I understand these characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that is a testament to the writing because it didn't have to go like there. You didn't. You had an A plot, B plot, both get started, both get resolved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't have to have so many other topics to discuss, right? So, like you were saying before, in terms of like you know, um, you didn't have to be like, okay, you didn't have to go through like a whole section of this is him being a gay man in 2024 right yeah blah 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 right it's just he's gay that's it he's leaving his he's living his life right you didn't have to have um and the fact that he is so isolated so lonely like you don't have like the the supporting characters that normally you know most most of these films has where he has like a a group of friends or a group of neighbors, right? There isn't the old lady that lives next door that gives them soup or something yeah, stupid yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. right? Right? It's just like it was just tightly written, and then, and most likely probably because of the budget, he like he only knew he only had a certain amount of. Um... So were you actually on that? Did, so I couldn't find the actual budget for this film. I know it has to be under thirty million. I, I don't think they they were at that. It doesn't feel like a $30 million film. But in order to qualify for the the Indie Spirit Awards, it has to be less than $30 million. But I couldn't find the actual numbers on this. Did you? Were you able to get those? Because uh, I know see. it did $5.5 million at the box office so far. Uh, and I know it's still doing, like, repertory theater stuff uh, here in Canada. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can just see the box office. And again, like um, I said, this feels like it's, you know, 10, you, you could probably make this for 10 million. Depends on what the actors took. Uh, it's, you, you can, it's, it's a very much independent in the sense that it's a small lo- set of locations. I mean, there's a subway, there's the bar, and then basically there's the apartment and then the transition to the parents' house. Like it's very, 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 very small as far as locations are concerned. So, um, yeah, I don't think it broke. I, I can't see it breaking thirty million dollars for a budget, but yeah, I, I don't either. Um, yeah, because even shooting locales, there wasn't many, right? It's well, because the home, the parents' home, is actually Andrew Scott's childhood home, so that probably is where his parents live. Yeah, yeah. So like, they Mom, probably Dad, got you got to get shit. out of here. I'm shooting a movie. Yeah. <laughs> right so i have to do that all the time be quiet try to shoot a film here be like fuck um so yeah and then in terms of my guess is probably the the condo complex is probably where one of them live anyways like in terms of the rooms and they probably just like gorilla shot the building Mm. yeah 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 um, like uh well just exterior building right like there's very little 
that is required outside. And then you, or you could be shooting in a studio. Those could be entirely studio sets. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see it being much of, um, much of a budget as, as well. So yeah, I would, I would assume probably under 30. Maybe. Um, so I, I want to, when we're, unless you've got anything else that you want to talk about, uh, I want to finish kind of on the Rotten Tomato score and stuff like that. So do you got anything else you want to talk about with this film before I finish with our quotes and stuff? No, no. Go. Well, it's not our quotes. It's your quotes. Well, it's my quotes. Uh, so it's got a 96% uh, from the critics. It's got a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes from the audience. Hour 46 minutes. Very well paced. Again, it'll it, this film's going to suck you in. Uh, I ended up actually watching this film in sections just because I was having to do judging. So I'd be watching like 15 minutes at a time. And I still felt like brought back to the story. So uh, I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to watching it later today in its entirety. Um, so, but I'm going to leave with this. Uh, Becca James from the Chicago Reader had this to say. Driven by such tender and thoughtful performances, All of Us Strangers is a healing, heartbreaking, and haunting look at the human condition that will stay with viewers long after they've left the theater. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. I was going to say, next time, don't fucking do the Chicago Reader. There's only one fucking Chicago paper, and that's the Sun-Times. You got to go with what Roger Ebert was fucking used to work out of. That's the only Chicago newspaper that matters. Oh, I thought you were going to then quote down, like, a throw down a quote from, like, Roger Ebert's. I know he's dead, but... I, <laughs> I was going to say he's dead. Production by Rod Shaver, Fader Monkey Productions.